All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. It's good to be back in Starkville. Had a great day in Atlanta on Friday. I guess it was Thursday, whatever day it was. It all runs together after a while. Had a great day in Atlanta and then uh, had some trouble up in South Carolina with my car. Ultimately had to, uh, had to replace it. Didn't expect that. Didn't expect getting in the car and driving to South Carolina and having to buy a car, but I did. Very grateful that I have the ability to do so. There have been a lot of times in my life I'd have just been stuck. But uh, very thankful to my friends, uh, Neil and Laura Kemp, and Laura's son, Tyler, uh, that helped me kind of navigate through all that. Had a great night of recovery Friday night. I guess Saturday was the difficult day. But uh, anyway, we got it handled. Got a, got a new Mustang, and now we're uh, back in Starkville. And so many of you were so kind to me. You know, I put on Facebook, I was having some trouble. Not that I was seeking attention, but I had people that would that called me that lived in the area and said, hey, Steve, I'll bring you back. You know, and I'm like, wow, you know. Uh, it was that simple. You know, it was basically uh, tow the car back, get it fixed up there, and it's a repair that I'd already paid to have done recently. And so it's like, hey, how much more money am I going to invest in this car? I love the car. She was a 2005 Mustang, limited edition, uh, with 340,000 miles on her. That's right, 340,000 miles, and a couple of those uh, – 
trips to Omaha in that car. But, you know, there's a lot of problems with it. I mean, you know how it is when you get an older car. You're always doing something. But, uh, so we got a new Mustang under warranty. So if anything goes wrong here in the next uh, couple years, few years, Ford will have to pay for it. So there we go. But again, very appreciative of all of you that reached out to uh, check on my well-being. But uh, got it up there and they told me, hey, baby it till you get home. I said, it's some seven hours from home. They said, you're not going to make it. Car's not safe to drive. So it is what it is. Last thing I envisioned doing was buying a new vehicle, but I have one. And so happy to have it and uh, looking forward to uh, packing that car and heading out to Arizona here in a few weeks. How about that? See, Steve, you're driving? Yes, I'm driving. That's what I do. Every Mississippi State baseball game, football game, home and away, I drive. And uh, I don't have an expense account. My expense account is uh, Steve Robertson, Inc. So we, we pay to go cover the Bulldogs. And uh, appreciate your guys for all your support. If you're not a subscriber of jeanspage.com, we are the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. And I would encourage you to be a member for a few reasons. Number one, we are the best thing going when it comes to Mississippi State coverage of athletics in every sport. We've got a great team. We absolutely do. Absolutely killer. But also, too, when I read social media commentary, I'm, I, I know immediately this person doesn't subscribe to our website because they are blissfully ignorant about a lot of things. And I don't mean that in a negative way. And one of those things is last night's draft. It's like we have been, between Robbie and I, we have talked extensively about Jet Williams. And then I get on these Facebook groups and I see, well, do you think he's going to come to school? Or I don't understand why we recruit these guys. The bottom line is, if you had been a member of Gene's page, nothing that happened last night in the draft would have been a surprise to you. In fact, everything went to script. And we're going to talk about that in the first segment of the show. Got a pretty good, cool top 10 list for you as well. We're going to talk also about the 2018 coaching cycle. A lot, a lot of discussion when all that happened that this was one of the best coaching cycles in recent history. And I'm going to tell you, uh, looking back in hindsight, what did freezing cold takes? They could have a field day. A lot of things that were said in the media about some of those coaching hires. We're going to go look at that in depth today. We're also going to talk a little bit about realignment, some things that are kind of out there that I think are very important to discuss, some things to watch. Before we get into all that, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I'm going to get in there this week because I like to be happy. I like to do the things that uh, bring me joy, and Bulldog Burger Company is one of those. It seems like a small thing. It's not. It's amazing how a good quality meal can kind of turn your day or your week around. You kind of look forward to that. So I'm going to get Bulldog Burger Company, probably get it to go. It's a busy week for me, as most weeks are. Bulldog Burger Company, you can get it to go. You can get it in-house. You're going to be happy either way. If you're in Starkville, let me encourage you to go try the new patio area. They've done some uh, renovations there, kind of some minor renovations to kind of make it uh, you know, a nicer place to eat outside. I love the place. I think you will too. Right here on University Drive, two other great locations to serve you. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and then the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Roots and Flowood area. Have the spring rolls. I had somebody hit me up on social media, and it seems like every week people hit me up on Bulldog Burger Company. They'd never been before. They gave it a chance, had the spring rolls, immediately felt better looking, looked in a rearview mirror, didn't recognize themselves. Also had the pimentology at bacon. That will put some hair on your chest. 
Love that place. Love the fact that I can get usually more than what I pay for. That's not always the case when you go other places. Go to Bullard Burger Company. You'll be glad you did. It's a great place to work. It's a great place to eat. A great place to recreate. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, our top story. The first two rounds of the Major League Baseball draft are now in the books. Now, at 1 p.m. today, rounds 3 through 10 will take place, and then tomorrow, beginning at 1 p.m. Central Time, 11 through 20. We expect business to really pick up tomorrow. Could see Brad Compass drafted today. And we're kind of holding our breath, hoping that a couple of our uh, signees aren't drafted in the early portion of today. But we'll watch it really, really close. I enjoy the MLB draft and other people are like, oh, well, this is such a long and drawn out deal. I, I think the MLB draft actually moves at the best pace. So rather than having to sit there and watch highlights of some guy from, you know, Illinois State, and hear people try to talk intelligently about a guy that was a bit of a reach. You know, MLB, the MLB draft moves on. And I think Kyle Peterson, Eduardo Perez, and those guys, Kylie, the whole group there on ESPN do a great job. I don't understand why we don't just go ahead and do the whole thing, though. It's like we get through the first round, then i got to flip over to MLB and hear Tony Vitello talk. And, you know, I guess it's a good coup for those guys to get Tony. But uh, I thought the coverage was really good on ESPN. I thought the MLB coverage was not as good as the ESPN coverage. But I'm happy to be able to watch. All right, so the very first pick of Mississippi State interest, of course, was Jet Williams. Now, that's a surprise to nobody. And he pretty much went where he was projected within a few picks. We have known for the better part of, I don't know, three months, four months, that Jet Williams is going to go pro. We've known. Now, he was originally committed to Texas A&M. He flipped to Mississippi State last October. And Everybody knew that he was going to be a dude, and, and he exploded this year. Really had some upper mobility on draft boards because of the year that he had this year. Did really well in workouts. Now, he is a 5'8 guy, so he's not exactly the prospecty looking shortstop. You know, a lot of people want that bigger guy. You know, they want a guy like Jacob Gonzalez, who's not draft eligible this year. But Jed Williams goes 14th to the New York Mets, their second pick of the first round, and uh, that's a really good get. And a lot of people say, hey, the Mets sure are watching us pretty close. And, yeah, it's because, uh, you know, you've, you've got a really good area scout for the New York Mets here in Mississippi. Uh, so that's not um, a surprise at all that they would have some interest in Mississippi State players. But um, all of that said, Jet Williams is gone. He is going to sign. The slot value for that is like $4.25 million. There's the chances of him coming to school are slim. And, like, I have all these people that are tagging me in all these posts and tweeting at me, what are the chances we get Jet Williams? Zero, which is what we have said for weeks. The kid's not coming to school. You say, but, Steve, so why don't we go recruit those guys? When we recruit them, we don't know that. We don't know that they're going to be first-rounders. And and that, the truth of the matter is you go out and you try to get as many of those guys as you can, and maybe, maybe a couple of those guys come to school and they're difference makers on the college level. So we, don't, we really don't want to go through a situation where we're signing a class that doesn't have extensive Major League Baseball interest. Now, you look at Vanderbilt, they lose five signees to the draft. LSU, I guess four or five for them. I think that's probably skewing a little bit too far. And that's the big thing. People are like, oh, well, this guy's going to pull out of the draft of Vanderbilt. Well, then they have five guys taken. And so I think that's the extreme to the wrong side. And I, I see all these people say, well, this is why LSU works so hard in the portal. 
Well, that's true too, but also I think it's important to note that some of this portal class from LSU is likely to be drafted today. Now, the way things work nowadays, you know, it used to be the 40-round draft. Now it's a 20-round draft. So you've got to hit on your picks. And by and large, you know, with rare exception, the guys that were drafted last year signed. There were some that didn't. Judd Fabian didn't. Of course, Kumar Rocker didn't. He improves his draft status where he moves up from – I'm talking about Rocker here. He moves from 11 to 3. But his bonus structure is exactly the same. Rocker has already agreed the terms uh, – last night and so basically he gets pretty much identical slot values he got last year but the rangers also save about two million dollars because the slot value was over seven million so it's two million dollars in savings he's like well steve how does that work well because the bonus pool is kind of set each team has a bonus pool of which they can use used to it was just kind of wild wild west so the slot values are assigned for each pick and that's part of the collective bargaining agreement. That's, you know, something they do with the Players Association. And so that $2 million savings kind of moves forward. What that means is, is let's say that the Rangers need some additional money. Maybe they have to pay over slot value for their second or third or fourth round picks. Well, now they've got $2 million added in many respects. You know, instead of allocating all his funds to Kumar Rocker, They've given him, what, $5.2 million, so they can use that $2 million to kind of spread out and pay over slot to make sure they get their guys to camp. Uh, to camp. It's an important aspect of this. So I say that to, to kind of educate a little bit. It's not like they're just trying to, to, to screw the guy. And that was the thing we had a discussion yesterday. Somebody brought up, oh, well, you don't want to get off on the wrong foot with your first-round picks. And I reminded him that you know, three of the top seven picks in last year's draft all signed for about $2 million less in slot value. There's always some savings there. It's a very complicated and convoluted process. But Jed Williams will probably get close to slot because, you know, he has leverage. He says, you know what, I'll just go to Mississippi State. But I don't think he improves his draft stock. I mean, it's like, yeah, he's drafted middle of the first round. Even if he plays his way up, I mean, you, maybe you're talking to Megan Box, but that's, that's a pretty big risk to take when you have life-changing money, you know, kind of across the table. You just got to sign a piece of paper and then you and your family's life has changed forever. So, Jet Williams will not be a Mississippi State player. And there are always those that say, Steve, you never know. No, you're right. You never know. But the reality of it is, is uh, chances of that happening are slim and none. Okay, the number 34th pick in the draft went to Landon Sims. Now, that is a first-round competitive balance pick. I believe it's correct. It is a first-round pick. At the end of the first round, you know, there's like some comp picks and and things of that nature. And so he goes 34 to Diamondbacks, who had a great draft last night. Later in the draft, they picked up Ivan Melendez from Texas. That's going to be pretty awesome there, right? I think Landon and Ivan will have some things to say. Uh, but all that said, Mississippi State's first-round selection streak extends to four years. You go from Ethan Small to Jordan Westberg and Justin Foscue in 2020, and last year, of course, uh, you know, Will Bednar. And then now, Landon Sims. So four consecutive years that a current Mississippi State player drafted in the first round. I think it's also interesting to kind of point out, too, and I guess JT Ginn was uh, part of that deal, too. But um, you start looking at this thing, it's pretty crazy to think about. The majority of these guys that are going in the first round for Mississippi State are pitchers. 
And Scott Foxhall has had some people over the course of the last year, and some of it is warranted, right? Some of it's injury-related, but uh, we didn't have good pitching this year. But, you know, look at what we're doing. We're getting guys to the major leagues. Guys are coming to Mississippi State, getting life-changing money, beginning their professional careers. Landon Sims is a guy, too, that uh, had the injury this year. And uh, nobody's scared of Tommy John anymore. I mean, people always bring it up on the broadcast because you never know. Not everybody comes back better, and that's all true. The day after he hurt himself, I talked to two major league baseball scouts at the game at Tulane, two. And I said, I still think he's a first-rounder. Regardless of the injury, what do you guys think? Both guys said I would take him in the first round. Both. And now here we are. The draft is here. It's no longer, you know, a projection. It's no longer somebody's opinion. It's a reality. Landon Sims, first-round draft pick, Mississippi State. So now we've got to update that graphic in the outfield. And, and I hope we do that every year. Don't you? It's a really cool thing to be able to do that. So Landon will now wait for assignment. And, uh, you know, still got some rehabbing to do and things like that. He, of course, he won't pitch in, in the short season this year. Uh, he, he's done as far as throwing in a competitive game until, until next year. And we hope that he is uh, at full strength when he returns. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. 
Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. The number 55 pick in the draft went to Logan Tanner. The fourth catcher taken in the draft. That's about what we thought. We knew he would be among the first catchers taken. Um, you have provider from Georgia Tech that went to the Mets there at 11. And then, uh, you know, a little bit later, you had the guy from Louisville. And so, uh, about what we expected. Spend some time talking uh, to Delana Tanner. This was back, uh, you know, senior day weekend. Kind of comparing notes with her just to kind of see what she was hearing. And, you know, I was hearing from some of my uh, cross-checker friends and scout friends, probably a second rounder. You know, had he had the big offensive year, perhaps he moves into the first round. But there, there was some discussion last year that he would be a potential first rounder. I don't know that he had a first round quality year. And I think most people would agree. Even Logan probably didn't have a first round year offensively. Power numbers were down. RBI numbers were down. But the guy's an elite receiver. And so we knew that he would go pretty early. And so it's been a very, very stressful process obviously, for that, for that family because, uh, you know, you know, you hear all these things, you know, all these people are like, hey, we love you. We'd, we'd love to, to see you here. We'd love to have you as a part of our program. But until they pick you, none of that really matters. And so Logan goes 55, which makes him the highest rated catcher. Excuse me. The highest pick ever for a Mississippi State catcher. People say, Steve, well, Ed, Ed, Ed Easy went pretty early. Ed went 61. Now, what's interesting is back then, of course, we had an expanded draft back then. 61 was actually in the first round because of the fact there were so many comp picks allotted that particular year. Logan's drafted six spots higher, but goes in the second round because we have a more abbreviated draft and there were less comp picks. So that's pretty high cotton there when you think about where uh, LT was drafted. And, and a great guy in every aspect. And so he'll, he'll do well. The pride of Loosedale, Mississippi, played at George County High School. We knew that he was going to be a dude when he got here. And I think all told, it's pretty safe to say, Logan Tanner was very good for Mississippi State. Mississippi State, very good for Logan Tanner. Uh, slot value there is you know, what, $1.7 million, something like that. So Landon's going to sign for somewhere around $2 million. Landon not too terribly far behind. So life-changing money for those two young men and uh, very happy for them and their families. And, and now we kind of turn our attention to today. Now, perhaps the biggest win for Mississippi State yesterday is the fact that Bradley Lofton, left-handed pitcher from DeSoto Central, was not drafted yesterday. Now, slot values after the second round dipped below 800000 A lot of discussion that Lofton was going to require seven figures or more 
I had somebody tell me last week probably around 1.5. And, again, that's just a guesstimation, right? I mean, those are people in, in Major League Baseball circles and said, yeah, probably going to need, need somewhere around 1.5 million. Now, slot values are dipping under 800000 That doesn't mean there won't be somebody that will pay over slot for him. Like, look at the Texas Rangers, right? They got $2 million extra to work with now. And so what if they identify him as their guy, a left-handed young starter, they could afford to pay above. Let's say the slot value's $750,000. Well, they got $2 million to work with. So if he wants $1.5 million, they can give him $1.5 million if they're so inclined. So we're not out of the woods yet. Dakota Jordan, not drafted yet. Now, some of these guys that have an asking price north of seven figures, most teams at this point will just say, we're going to just move on. There are other players out there we can get for better value, not going to make the type of investment. But we're going to have to sweat it out a little bit today. Uh, Colby Holcomb is another that had a pretty lofty asking price, and, and people don't want to make this stuff public, nor, nor should they, right? That's another one we're sweating out. So I feel like if we can get maybe through the first five rounds, I think we can kind of breathe a sigh of relief. So three rounds today, I think if Holcomb and Lofton aren't taken – I think we can begin to think, okay, there's a good chance these guys are going to be on campus next year. Uh, they're on campus now, but we'd like for them to stay and suit up wearing the M over S. But there's a handful of guys out there that uh, today we'll be watching really, really close. And, again, until it's all over and done with, you can't really breathe that big sigh of relief. Now, what's interesting, too, and I don't want this to be misconstrued as an indictment on anybody's talent, some of these guys may end up being undrafted. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't get calls from teams. It doesn't mean they're not good enough to play in the professional ranks. What that means is is they couldn't come to terms with a team. When guys are drafted this early, there is already an agreement in principle. may not be anything in writing, but they're like, hey, we want to draft you here. Are you willing to take $1 million as a signing bonus? And the kid's like, yeah, I'll absolutely do it. Well, then they're picked, and then we get it done. But if a, team's, if a team contacts, you say, Bradley Lofton and say, hey, listen, we got $1.1 million, will you go? And he goes, nah, I, I need more than that. Well, then he continues to kind of drop down the draft boards. It doesn't mean that he's not a first or second round talent because he is. And so it's important to kind of understand how this draft process works. It's not like it was even three years ago where you just draft everybody and then uh, kind of figure it out over the course of the summer. I had one scout tell me, that it's pretty much understood, especially in the first 10 rounds, if you go stand on the table for a kid, he better sign because you don't have an unlimited amount of picks. You don't have this huge minor league system anymore. So you can't just draft guys and follow them the way you used to. you got to draft them and hope that brings them to the table. And so anybody that was drafted last night has already agreed in principle in many respects. They've already given some assurances to the big league club. Yes, I will sign for this. That's, and you're going to start seeing some deals announced uh, here in the next day or two, like Kumar Rocker. Of course, that was announced last night. And I'm sure that's a deal that was made prior to the draft. It's like, hey, if you're there at number three, we're going to take you. What's it going to take to get you to sign? Here's our situation. And then the two sides come to some sort of an agreement. So you can rest assured those conversations have already been made already been taking place with uh, between player, agent, and team, and family, parents, girlfriends, whoever's. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that 
anybody taking this early is expected to, uh, to forego college or any eligibility they have remaining. All right, so what does this mean for our current players? We knew Landon and LT would go early. They did. Now, who could potentially go today? You know, Brad Combust could go today. Cameron James could go today. Uh, Brad is a guy, too. You talk to some scouts, they're, they're enamored by him. I, you know, I had one scout tell me, you know, he's a 1,000 at-bats behind the rest of the class. And he's going to get those in the minors. And provided he stays healthy, he's going to take a big jump. He took a big jump for us this year when he fully focused on baseball. So Brad will go, and Brad will sign, barring something unforeseen. I think Brad's probably – I think there's a chance Brad goes today. I think there's a chance that Brad goes today. Could Cameron Jones – Cameron James go today? And that kind of remains to be seen too. I had some people tell me he had an asking price probably a little higher than than he would get, but we are still well within that range. So that's another name to watch today. I think Luke Hancock could be a back-of-the-draft type guy. Luke doesn't project well, and that's not an indictment on Luke. That's just the reality of the situation. He's played first base because he is a team-first guy and has done a good job over there for us. He really has. I mean, I think really save a couple of errors in 2021, the year we won the NAFL championship, Luke's been outstanding. I mean, you look, you look at how he's played this year, really played well. If he returns, he's going to slide back to catcher. And him and Heifel will uh, probably split, split those duties over the course of the week. But, uh, you know, Heifel was a guy, too, that was ranked in the top 250, according to Jim Callis. I was told by somebody extremely close to Ross that, hey, he's, he's, he's going to go to school. And has kind of let teams know that. Didn't go to pre-draft workouts and things of that nature. Didn't go to the combine. And said he was going to need life-changing money in order to go. I don't know that he projected to get that. But he kind of removed all doubt. And you saw, you've seen the videos out there. He had a big tank uh, working out the other day, BP, uh, with the Bulldogs out at uh, Duty Noble. And then there's Gerangelo, the uh, ambidextrous pitcher. I was told yesterday it would be a surprise if he went early. There are a lot of people that you – know, there's the novelty of the whole thing, right? He can pitch with both arms successfully. Doesn't have elite size. You know, could be a guy that's drafted late. He is a native of Curacao. And so, uh, you know, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean kind of moving forward? I think, uh, I think it's part of the deal with, uh, with him. I think we're probably going to be okay. And that was really the big concern. Like, we, we, it didn't feel like last year. I mean, last year you had four guys you were certain were going to get drafted. And then I was hearing kind of leading up the draft at Walling wanted to be a starter and wasn't getting the interest from teams in that regard. They wanted him to be a reliever. So he wanted to come to Mississippi State and prove that he could do it. He didn't do that. All right, now he's in the portal. I don't think that he's a guy that gets drafted this year. But this time last year, we were like, you know, the the big four there, if we get any of those four, we're going to feel great. We do get the one, and we really get nothing out of it this year. This year, there just didn't seem to be – the same level of concern. And I don't think that that's necessarily a reflection on the talent of the class. I just think you've got some guys that probably need a little more seasoning before they make the jump to pro ball. And I think there's some other guys out there that could absolutely have been drafted last night that just had an asking price north of what some teams were willing to play pay at that point in the draft. So as great as yesterday was – because we knew Jet Williams was going to go, and then we got a chance to cheer for our guys uh, LT and, and Landon as they go on the first day of the draft. 
which is what you always want, right? You, you want your veterans drafted high and you want your prospects, your signees drafted low, if drafted at all. So, so yesterday was the best case scenario for us. I wrote that last night before I went to bed. Today will be a very interesting day. Today is the day that we've all kind of been worried about. Now, again, we don't have the same level of worry maybe today that we did last night as it relates to maybe Bradley Laughlin and some others. But that guy could be a big part of our program. I had one cross-checker tell me that uh, he is a guy that could start for Mississippi State on Sundays right now. Right now. We talk about having an influx of talent and a pitching staff. Well, it's on the way. How much of it gets to campus will kind of be determined by what happens today. That's how important today is for us. And then you look at Bill Knight. Bill could be a guy that's drafted tomorrow. We really want Bill Knight to go undrafted. Or we want Bill Knight to have uh, maybe be drafted exceptionally late. And maybe, you know, you could get some, uh, some NIL assurances to kind of get him to campus. But, uh, you know, the risk you run, too, is he, doesn't, he won't have any leverage. Right? R.J. Yeager's a guy, too, that was in a similar situation. R.J. will be drafted probably today. I suspect somebody will draft him and then pay him under slot to give them some room to maybe pay some high school guys to come to college, I mean, to, to avoid going to college. And I think Bill Knight's in a similar situation that R.J. was in last year. He's like, yeah, I want to do this, but if I get drafted this year, I might want to take it. And so I, I think there, you know, if Bill Knight is drafted, there's a, there's a good chance that he doesn't come to Mississippi State. So we're sweating that out too. Now, Nate Chester's draft eligible. We're not worried about that. Um, Colton Ledbetter is a guy that is not draft eligible. And I got clarification like yesterday because uh, – I wasn't exactly sure. I found out he was actually 20. You have to be 21 or three years removed from, the, from high school as a college player in order to enter the draft. And so Ledbetter, and there's no entering. They just kind of pick you. But Ledbetter, not draft eligible. So we do expect to get him here next year. Uh, so now we just kind of wait. And, you know, waiting's the hardest part. When we come back on Wednesday, we'll, we'll have a really good idea what this roster is going to look like. Who's returning? Who's coming to class? I think all that is something that, uh, you know, this is, the, this is the week. This is the big event we've been waiting for. You know, first there was the July 1st transfer portal deadline in order for spring sport athletes to be eligible to play next year unless they were a grad transfer. Had to be in the portal by January 1st or by July 1st. Okay, so that was a big milestone. We, we passed that. This is the biggest one. And once we get through Tuesday – I think you're going to see a pretty exciting game of musical chairs as a lot of teams and players kind of come to terms with transfers. And I think it's going to happen very, very quickly. There's some names out there you guys are aware of. You know, Paul Skeens, of course, just finished up at Team USA Baseball, still expected to take a visit to Arkansas and then make a decision. That guy's a difference maker. We absolutely want him. That guy could be your Friday night guy. Maybe you move Cade Smith to Saturday, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm remiss by not mentioning Preston Johnson. That's another guy, too. You know, there, there's a lot of these pitchers from state, despite the fact that they had um, kind of up and down results, still getting the interest from teams. Parker Sinnett's not healthy. He will be. I mean, he doesn't have anything that's going to derail his career or anything. But uh, that's a guy, too, because of, you know, the velo and the spin rate on that breaking ball. He's a guy that's gotten some interest, too. You know, you just got to find a way to control it and harness it. I thought at times he did pretty good last year, and other times he didn't. 
But that's the guy, too. You know, Preston Johnson, Brandon Smith, all those guys may have a decision to make. I suspect most of that happens tomorrow, which will add a little intrigue to it, too. And, and you know, if I'm Preston Johnson, I'm a Brandon Smith, if I get drafted, I probably go, to be quite honest with you. Especially if you're Brandon, because, you know, Brandon's running out of, of eligibility. You know, Preston still has a couple years to work with. Um, but it's going to be a different deal. Like today, you're mainly, like you're cheering for your current players. Because, so, you know, like if Brad and Cam get drafted today, they're going to sign and go begin a pro baseball career. And you know what? We're grateful for their contributions to Mississippi State baseball. So you're cheering for those guys, and then you're kind of like cheering against the signees. And, I, I, of course, I know all of that is selfish. This is a show about Mississippi State. What's best for Mississippi State may not necessarily be the be- what's best for a signee, Right. And I think if you're Bradley Lofton, you begin to look at this and say, okay, you know, I could go to Mississippi State and play a couple years and then have the opportunity to be a potential first-rounder. And so you look at, look at what Kumar Rocker did. Not, I'm not in any way comparing Bradley Lofton to Kumar Rocker. That wouldn't be fair to Bradley. But my point is look at that, that $7 million slot value for the third pick. And so Bradley Lofton, let's say he gets offered a million dollars. I got to come in here and pitch a couple of years and go to Omaha and then have the opportunity to get multi-million dollars as a signing bonus. That's something you got to think about. And then that's, you think about all the taxes and all the stuff that go along with that too. I mean, I guess, I don't know everybody's situation, but taxes on a million, you probably only clear about $600,000. And so when you start looking at that over the totality of your life, it, get, it would give you a head start at life. Like say for an example, like if Cam James got that kind of money, what well, gives him kind of a running start at life? He can pay off his student loans. He can get himself a nice vehicle and maybe, you know, kind of get a down payment on a house, you know. But if you're a high school guy and you still have the ability to go to college and improve your draft stock, maybe that money doesn't seem quite as significant because you simply have more time to prove yourself. So, again, it'll be an eventful day today. And, again, all the fun starts at 1 p.m. Central. We'll have full coverage over at jeanspage.com. Be sure and come check us out. All right, time for today. Oh, before we move on. Don't forget to go to Prime Shrimp. You only got a couple weeks left in this promotion. PrimeShrimp.com. I love it. You'll love it. If you haven't already tried it, give it a try. Go to PrimeShrimp.com today. Pick out a couple of flavors. Have it shipped in. It'll be extremely well packaged. It'll be cool. It'll survive the dog days of summer, even if it has to sit outside all day. You open it up, you get those cool little pouches, very trim, easy to store pouches in your freezer. Don't, they don't take up a lot of room. And it's ready to cook shrimp. You don't have to peel it. You don't have to devein it. You don't have to pull the tails off. And I, I hate having her do that. You say, Steve, it's not a big deal. It is. It is a big deal. It's not, but it is. They make it so incredibly easy. This ready to cook shrimp is so perfect because you can put on a pot of water to boil, bring it to a bowl, drop those shrimp in. Ten minutes later, you're ready to eat. Right? How cool is that? Four great flavors to choose from. I am very partial to the French Quarter Alfredo. You may feel differently. Try them all. Find your own favorites. Go to primeshrimp.com today and use promo code BONEYARD to save 20 bucks off your first order. Again, primeshrimp.com, promo code BONEYARD. All right, today's top 10 list brought to you by closeofblair.com. You know Blair Chandler. He's my friend. He's your friend. Guy's a friend in the business, right? That's one thing, too. You know, when you have troubles in life, it's great to have somebody that knows the ins and outs of convoluted processes, somebody that's been through the wars, 
you know, for us, things seem like a really big deal. But for a guy like Blair Chandler, he's like, oh, yeah, we've done these loans a million times. That's very reassuring to hear. So stick with the winners. Stick with a mortgage professional like Blair Chandler. Go to CloseWithBlair.com today. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair.com today. And let him know you heard about him on the boneyard, and he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a $500 value. So maybe you're looking to refinance, and rates are going up, right? Rates are going up. Maybe you can't afford to wait much longer. Maybe you need some cash out, you need some home improvements. Maybe you got a wedding to pay for. I don't know what your situation is, but maybe you need easy access to cash without having to pay a high interest rate. Blair can help you with that. Or perhaps maybe the, the, the dream of home ownership is something that's eluded you. Blair can help you with that too. Whether it be purchases, refis, second mortgages, HELOCs, whatever you want. He can do it all. He has been there, seen it all, done it all. In 21 years, there hasn't been much that surprised Blair. Works at Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction and mortgage loan origination. Blair in top 1% close ratio in the country in back-to-back years. Coffee's for closers. Blair drinks a lot. Closewithblair.com. Be sure and check them out today. All right, top 10 list. We're doing modern rock today, and this band absolutely rocks. I listened to them the entire way home from South Carolina. All seven hours, I listened to the catalog, listened to a lot of songs that I knew, put on some albums I was unfamiliar with. They have a new single. They dropped absolutely incredible. It's the band Beartooth. You say, Steve, never heard of Beartooth. Well, shame on you. They're kind of a modern day. They started out kind of as a metalcore punk band. They kind of transitioned a little bit. A little more of an industrial type sound. And it's kind of got melodic choruses, and then there's some aggressive versing. Uh, I really like Beartooth. I've liked them from the beginning. I've seen them live multiple times. And uh, Caleb, the singer, was kind of an overweight guy. He has gotten in shape. He is uh, now clean and sober. Looks great. Sounds great. Very happy that he's a part of the recovery community now. But a lot of his pain has kind of been interjected into some of these lyrics. You know, he talks a lot about you know, the things he's dealt with. And, and I, I read an interview with him a while back. He goes, listen, I'm not trying to save the world. I'm trying to heal myself. And so his art is one of those things that helps him do so. So the band Beartooth, they have four albums out. And uh, it's interesting that all four of the albums, one-word titles, kind of like my books. If you've noticed, all of my books, with the oh, sports books, are uh, two-word titles. So... We're going to jump into this, and real quickly here, the albums, they began in 14, their first album debuted in 14, album called Disgusting, in 2016, the album Aggressive came out, 18, Disease, and 2021, Below, and then they just recently, about a week ago, released a new single. Not sure what that's attached to just yet, but uh, a really, 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 really good rock band. That's one of the things I hear a lot. Some of my critics will say, well, Steve's like lost in the 80s, and I am. In many respects, but I love the new stuff too. And Beartooth's one of my favorite bands of the last decade. New rock bands. I love the new blood when they actually have some gumption. You know, there's a lot of bands out there. That it's almost like a record company has decided, well, we got to release something. Beartooth is just different. They're a little bit different. That they're they're kind of true to the old school. They don't pl- they don't play the classic classic rock sound, but there is an edge to them. There are meaningful lyrics. You know, we're not just singing about. Nothing but a good time. Uh, we're also, too, not... Uh, there's some grunge elements in this, too, but uh, I, I just think Beartooth is kind of in their own lane. So Beartooth, top ten. And some of these are deeper tracks because I'm a real fan, and may, maybe you're different. 
Number 10 to me, I think it's a great place to start. And it is, it is kind of a little more rock radio friendly. I listen to Sirius XM Octane most of the time. And then, of course, Hair Nation. Sometimes Ozzy's Boneyard. But the song Threat to Society is a great place for us to start this list. And I think it's one of those songs, too, that if, if I started you off with something a little bit more in your face, you might say, ah, Steve, this is a little bit too aggressive for me. I think this is a really good introduction to Beartooth. There's a melodic portion to this that I think really stands apart. Number nine, this one is really more in-your-face, kind of more modern punk. It's, you know, these, these guys are from Ohio, but this sounds a little bit like the New York punk scene. Like There's some elements of this. It's kind of like if punk grew up a little bit but maintained its true identity. The song is I Won't Give It Up. I love this song. I love how aggressive the guitar is. And, of course, uh, the vocal is always really, really good. Number eight, this is a song about sobriety and recovery, but it can really kind of be equated to anything in your life, you know, like whether it be a bad relationship, whether it be, you know, some trauma in your life, whatever. It's The song is The Past is Dead. And sometimes we, you know, Sometimes we want to go perform an autopsy on it, do the pathology and all that kind of stuff, and never move on from it. And I'm a person sometimes that's dealt with that too. And I think this is one of those songs that's kind of a good reminder. It's like, that's all behind us. You can't change it. And one of the most profound things that anybody's ever told me, it actually happened on jeanspage.com. And it was when uh, I'd had some friend of mine died in recovery or whatever, and some people that didn't know that I was in sobriety, so I shared a little bit of that. And this person shared with me, he said, you know, we can't change the past, but we can change what it means. And I think that song is kind of indicative of that. It's behind us. We can learn from it and move on, but we can't go back and replace it. What's done is done. Number seven, I like this one a lot. And uh, this one was one they played on the radio a good bit. Love the vocal on it. It's uh, You Never Know. And it's another one that just kind of gets in your face a little bit. I, th- I think the music itself is maybe a little more rock radio friendly. Vocally, very aggressive, especially in the chorus. Speaking of aggressive, that's our number six song. The self, the, let's see, the self, I guess that's, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here, but it is the, um, I guess it was the first track off the aggressive album of the same name. But uh, this is when, Bear, like, Beartooth had kind of hit the scene with that disgusting album, and people were like, well, these guys are a little bit different. And then, okay, are they a flash in the pan? And then they, they followed it up you know, with aggressive and disease. And, and I think it's one of those things that people realize that there was just truly something to this band. Lyrical content, uh, good riffing. And I think aggressive was really maybe a bit of, of a, uh, maybe a middle finger to the critics, I guess. And, and maybe that's not the PG-13 way to say it. But I think it was like, you know what, we're here to stay. And I think as long as you've got a great singer-songwriter, no matter the genre, you, you generally are there to stay. Number five, the song is called Rock is Dead, but it, it's a bit of a misnomer because the chorus of the song is, if rock and roll's dead, you can kill me right now. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel, too. But So it's not basically saying rock is dead, as if, you know, like Paul McCartney and Gene Simmons and other people have said that rock is dead. I think Beartooth is a testament that rock is not dead, that there are some new bands coming up that are being innovative. They're not just kind of regurgitating or rehashing the old things. And there are some bands out there, of course. I know many of you uh, love some of these bands. It's, oh, they sound just like Led Zeppelin. 
or they sound just like Motley Crue. And I think that's really cute. But I think in order for rock music to really be innovative, we have to have some new ideas. And I think that's what Beartooth brings. But uh, Rock is Dead is just a tremendous song. As a matter of fact, that's the first song I listened to in my new car. If rock and roll's dead, you can kill me right now. Number four. For a while there, this was probably my second favorite Beartooth song. And it's a song called Sick of Me. And it's not you being sick of me, even though maybe you are. It's like me as a person. And I equate a lot of this, of course, to recovery. And, of course, uh, Caleb being in recovery, I think that's part of it. I'm sick of the person that I used to be. You know, it's like I'm I'm sick of all this, sick of all this. It's like I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? I'm just tired of all this. I'm sick of the mistakes that I made. I'm sick of continuing to repeat that pattern of behavior. And so, to me, it's kind of an uplifting song, even though it's about maybe some negative stuff. But, again, a very aggressive vocal on this one. Number three, this is one of those songs that means an awful lot to me. There are some songs that that are just kind of part of the soundtrack of your life. And I feel like in some ways this was kind of a message to me, and it's a song called Hated. Who knew you'd be hated for being who you are? and be a big target for all the insecure. I love the song. I get chills even even saying that to you guys. I mean, it's like you live your life the best you can, and if you live your life with conviction and you actually really stand for something, you're going to make enemies. And you know what? I I never want to be one of those people that everybody likes. I I just don't because of the fact that um, if that's the case, if you're a people pleaser to that extent, that means you're not being true to yourself. And I think that's what the song Hated is really about, is you be true to your authentic self, and if, you know, if people don't like it, then that's okay. That, that's, a, that's a them problem, not a you problem. I'm not running for public office. I don't need somebody. I don't need everybody to like me. I'm just going to be myself. All right, number two, and I know for those of you that are fans of Beartooth, you're going to say, Steve, this is a bit premature. It's not. It's not premature. The number two song is the brand new single, Riptide. I know some people are thinking, well, you know, Steve, what, what about Body Bagger? or Keep Your American Dream. And I know that those are really popular among the fan base. I'm going with Riptide. I like the direction this band is taking. And this is another song, you know, kind of with some recovery principles in it. And that doesn't mean that you've got to be an alcoholic or a drug addict or somebody in recovery to appreciate this song. This song absolutely rips from start to finish. And again, I love kind of the little industrial overlay with this. It kind of ties it all together. There is a very aggressive breakdown guitar-wise in this thing that really want to makes me put my fist in the air. I dig it. Riptide. And again, I don't know if there's a new album coming or they just had a, a bonus single laying around. They released a video with this. I absolutely love this song. Lyrically, I think it is absolutely incredible. And it's really about you taking care of you. It's like, you know what, I'm not going to romanticize the riptide that tried to drown me. It's like whether it be drugs, alcohol, uh, you know, negative relationships, you know, whatever's going on in your life. It's basically I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm done with all that. I'm putting that into my past. And so I think it's a song of empowerment in many respects. And musically, it is on another level. I absolutely love it. And it's, I've shared it with some, some friends. They love it, too. I've had a couple people say, well, I like it a lot. No, 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 you don't like it a lot. You love it. You just don't know it yet. But I dig the song. I I think that if you know Beartooth at all, maybe you're unfamiliar with this single. Maybe you hadn't downloaded it yet. Let me encourage you to do so. Number one, though, the one that started it all. 
And I don't know that they can top this one. And in some ways, you look at it and say, wow, they peak with the first single, Steve? Well, I mean, Guns N' Roses had Welcome to the Jungle, right? And they still put together a lot of great tracks behind it. But In Between is your number one song. And one of the things that I loved about this, number one, you know, the bass line, I think, is infectious. But you have, again, these really aggressive verses, and then you get to this melodic course. And it's just one of those things. It just works so well together. The composition of the song, is, is in my mind, is absolutely incredible. And I think you're going to enjoy this song, too. If you're unfamiliar with it, check it out. And again, listen, Beartooth isn't for everybody, okay? Not, they're not Slayer, okay? They're not some death metal band that you're not going to be able to make out the lyrics. You're going to be able to understand most of it. I mean, he, Caleb does some, some shouting at times. It makes it a little difficult to figure out lyrics. But there is just something about this band that kind of resonates with me. And uh, I, listen, some of the songs deeper in the catalog I don't like as much. There aren't any that I just dislike. There, there are some that I just don't get, and that's to be that's probably the case with anybody. I mean, there's not there's not an artist out there that's wrote, you know, winner every time. But if you're looking for a new rock band to get into, you're looking for somebody with a little thump, looking for somebody that might punch you in the face a little bit, and not and not just get you going and get your heart going, but maybe make you think a little bit. Beartooth just might be the band for you. I know. Roy, when he puts this list together, he's going to tell me, I don't really know these guys. And then a month from now, Roy's going to have listened to this list. He's going to be like, dude, we need to go see Beartooth. And you know what, Roy? We do. We do. They're not David Brothers. They're not. These guys are in your face. And uh, I, I think, again, I think there are, there is probably a song for everybody. But one of the things I love about Beartooth is they're true to themselves. They're true to their sound. It's like, this is who we are. We're going to make our music. We're not going to go do the power ballad. We're not going to go do something else that we're not. We're not going to do a synth pop song. We're a punk band. We're a metalcore rock band. And that's what we're going to do. And they've had some lineup changes. But, of course, uh, you know, the thing about it is, as long as you have the singer, kind of the soul of the band, and somebody that can write some riffs, you generally can pull this thing off. And uh, most of this stuff is, is... is self-produced you know Caleb does a lot of it himself so he has a vision in mind for these songs and so as long as you have that kind of know-how you generally have some staying power so if you're unfamiliar with Beartooth let me tell you familiarize yourself and if you've got delicate ears this probably isn't for you I don't think any less of you I don't as you go get your uh you know soy latte from Starbucks or whatever but uh all that said Beartooth kind of the uh you know, part of the new blood, and I think a band that's going to be around for a while. So be sure and check those guys out. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. Uh, better yet, hit up Roy on Twitter at dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. You can follow all of our list on Spotify. Just subscribe to Roy. Again, that's dogmatic67 on Spotify. And then all these top 10 lists will just pop up. We do tweet them out, too. We do post them on Facebook. And so... Maybe you need to put your own list together. You know, our friend Izzy has kind of moved on from uh, from this, and that's okay. I mean, he was doing it for free. It's not like I was paying him. Which he's kind of doing it as a courtesy to you guys. But uh, but uh, yeah, you can see the list, and we do get a lot of interaction on that. I have a lot of people that message me and tell me that I was wrong about this, and I've had other people to say, "Hey, Steve, I'm so glad you didn't just go with all the hits." You know, sometimes I do, but uh, 
I can tell, like when we did Bullet for My Valentine, I got several messages from people that were just Bullet fans. Running Mississippi State people, somehow our list made the rounds. And a lot of Bullet people were like, I can tell you're a true fan of Bullet because you picked this song or you picked that song. You didn't just do this one. Uh, and so I think all that stuff's important too. And again, the gift of music, something that we share together, I think is very important. So there you go. Top 10 Beartooth Tracks. All right, this segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Campus Book Mart, a Starkvillian institution. And as a matter of fact, they carry all five of my books there. So if you haven't completed your, compl- your collection, you can uh, do that there as you're ordering your, the latest in Mississippi State merch. While you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces. The entire staff will treat you like family because in their minds, you are family. It's as simple as that. Lovely, talented Susie, Miss Kathy Brown, Miss Pam Minyard, the whole crew there. Just great people. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you the phrase it pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. In this day and time, anytime we can save you some money, we're happy to do so. Again, that's promo code BSR at campusbookmart.net. Be sure and check them out. Okay, let's talk coaching. Back in 2018, a lot of people in the national sports media kind of lauded the 2018 coaching class. It's one of the best in history. Now, in hindsight, that was incorrect. And it's woefully incorrect. So let me run this list down for you, and we'll go, we'll go coach by coach here, okay? So Athlon Sports graded the 2018 coaching hires, and there were a lot of them. The number one hire, according to Athlon Sports, was Scott Frost at Nebraska. Left Central Florida. You know, he was a a major candidate for the Florida job, but it was pretty much a done deal of him going to Nebraska. Things have not gone well. He got a vote of confidence last year from the AD, four consecutive losing seasons, four and eight, five and seven, three and five and three and nine. Last year, they went one and eight in the Big Ten. I think Nebraska is an interesting fit in the Big Ten anyway. So this is probably the Turner burn year for Scott Frost. If they don't have a good year this year, he's done. I think he's got to at least get to a bowl game this year. They've won six games combined He has a, in the last two years. He has an overall record at Nebraska at 15 and 29. A lot of people wondered, you know, at, at Central Florida – was it too small a sample size? He'd had two years. The first year, they go 6-6 six and six and lose their bowl game and finish the year 6-7. and seven. Then they go undefeated in 17. You know, they, Danny White and those guys declared themselves NAFL champions. They won the Peach Bowl and finished number six in the AP poll, called themselves NAFL champions. And then Frost leaves to go to his alma mater at Nebraska. And it's been terrible. It's been absolutely terrible. They're 10 and 25 in the Big Ten over the course of the last four seasons. So that number one hire has gone over like a lead balloon. The number two hire, according to Athlon Sports, was Dan Mullen. Now, on paper, looked to be a great hire. He went 69 and 46 at Mississippi State, 33 and 39 in the SEC. There was a stretch there, you know, where uh, Dan was absolutely outstanding. You know, most years we were expected to go 8-4 and four or so. We win 10 back in 14, good number one in the country. Then you're 9-4, and 6-7, 8-4. and, four, six and, seven, eight and four. But I think when you look at the fact that Dan Mullen had, had sustained success at Mississippi State, it made sense to maybe award him 
this number two ranking. They hit the ground running at Florida, go 10 and three. They go 11 and two, then eight and four, and then five and six last year, and he didn't finish out the year. Greg Knox, of course, uh, kind of pushes the Gators to a win over Florida State to get to a bowl game, and then they, uh, I guess they lost to Gasparilla. I can't remember. I can't recall. Maybe they didn't even play the game. But uh, the reality of it is, this did not work out well. And it's crazy to think, you know, Dan Mullen and those guys, what, three consecutive New Year's Six games? Three consecutive top 15 finishes, and then in one year he's done. And it's amazing, amazing how that all kind of came to be. Some have suggested there had to be something else. I, I don't think there's any scandal of I, I could see Dan, you know, Dan's mouth getting him in some trouble, you know, with the Bull Gators out there in Florida. But four years in, Dan Mullen's out of a job. They've made a coaching change. And uh, more on that a little bit later in the segment. Number three, Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly was working for ESPN after a couple of uh, interesting stints there in the National Football League. And Chip Kelly... Of these guys, he's actually done pretty well. I say pretty well. Last year was decent. He's been there four years. They go three and nine, four and eight, three and four. Of course, 2020 was a crazy year for all of us. I don't know if it's difficult. If you can really – I think it's difficult to judge anybody based on 2020. Last year, they go eight and four overall. Supposed to play in the Holiday Bowl. It got canceled. So, last year, a decent year, 18 and 25 in four years. Now UCLA head of the Big Ten here pretty soon. So, you know, what does that mean? That's difficult to say, but I think Chip's a guy that probably needs to build on last year's success to remain employed. You know, I don't, I don't know if we've ever looked at UCLA as like some national power in college football, but considering the losing seasons they've had here as of late, I don't, I don't know if that's uh, what we're looking for. But uh, Chip has done decent. Would he, would he be, if you re-ranked him, would he be number three? No, I don't think so. All right, number four on their on Athlon's list is Jimbo Fisher. Now, Jimbo, of course, won an Athlon title at Florida State with a generational quarterback in Jameis Winston. Had a great 2014 year. They went 13-1. and They lose the Rose Bowl, finished fifth in the country. And that, that's a year removed from winning an Athlon championship. So, for a two-year stretch there, Jimbo goes 27-1. and Then it's 10-3, and 10-3, and, and then things start falling apart. And that's the thing about this Florida State thing. You know, four consecutive losing seasons now. But, um, you know, kind of the decline started under Jimbo. Now, Jimbo has gone to A&M, and they have basically been Mississippi State. And have had trouble beating Mississippi State. Nine and four, eight and five. They go nine and one in 2020. That was Kellen Mond's senior year. A lot of arguments. They should have been in the playoff. They finished fourth in the country that year. And then last year, they finally get over the hump and beat Alabama. But the same year, they lose to Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. So, you know, four winning seasons, four bowl games. I would venture to say that they're still maybe underachieving there, but uh, you can't really knock the higher or how Athlon has Jimbo rated. And, again, probably one of the only guys on this list that doesn't go into the year having to consider, you know, the fact that they uh, may be on the hot seat. So Jimbo is in no way on the hot seat. The guy that replaced him, at Florida State is Willie Taggart, who was ranked fifth, the fifth best hire. And now knowing what we know now about Willie Taggart, you kind of begin to wonder. You know, he was a recruiting dynamo in many respects, but uh, has not proven to be a very capable head coach. 
He goes 16 and 20 at Western Kentucky, back to back seven and five years. They uh, they get to the Little Caesars Pizza Bowl there in 2012. Then he goes to South Florida, has a couple of really tough years, two and ten, four and eight, eight and five, and then ten and two. And he gets he parlays that into the Oregon job. They have a seven and five year there, and the next thing you know, he leaves and goes to Florida State, supposedly his dream job. It lasts two years. He goes nine and twelve. And then of course Dan Mullen replaces him. And uh, you know, really rough years there at Florida State. Well, now he is at uh, Florida Atlantic and has had back to back losing seasons there, five and four and five and seven. And uh, in 2020, as he replaced Lane Kiffin, they go to the Montgomery Bowl and then lose that. And so Willie Taggart in his career, 66 and 73 as a head coach. And uh, the only winning record he has as a coach is that one year at Oregon where he's seven and five. Everywhere else in his tenure, he has left for another job or been fired after posting a losing record. And again, you look at hindsight here, it's like sometimes – you know, the numbers are there. We just kind of choose to ignore them. So that, that while it was greater than number five hire, absolutely terrible. The number six hire is Jim Moorhead. Lauded. Lauded as a great hire at the time, but underachieved. Now, at the end of the day, he won both egg bowls, and he went to back-to-back bowl games. Lost them both. Uh, 2018, was that was a year, too, we all felt like, you know, with Nick Fitzgerald coming back and uh, being in this RPO offense, so we ought to have been really good. I had an Eiffel championship caliber defense with three first-round draft picks on it. Uh, you know, that's part of the deal, too. But uh, let, let's give John Cohen a little credit, too. Once we see that this thing is kind of going off the rails, we made the decision to make a move. Rather than kind of wait it out and let it bottom out, we went ahead and made the move. Now, Mike Leach is kind of pulling us back up. Uh, and so, and again, I think we're going to be good this year. But the, the issue with Joe was really more about what happened off the field. You know, there, there were some disciplinary issues within the program. Uh, our culture took a step back. I know some people don't like it when I say that, but that's the reality. You're, you're free to be wrong if you want to be. But we had great culture under Dan Mullen, and we began to kind of lose that under Joe. So Joe is now the head coach at Akron after a pretty successful stand in Oregon with Mario Cristobal, who also makes our list. Uh, a little bit later. Uh, the number seven hire, which is pretty crazy, was uh, Chad Morris. A lot of people were excited about Chad. You know, Chad was 14 and 22 at SMU. Two and 10, five and seven, and then seven and five, and they make the Frisco Bowl, um, you know, which is interesting, you know. And then he goes to Arkansas, and he's two and 10, two and eight, didn't even survive the year of 2019. He gets hired and is graded as a top 10 hire and wins four games and goes winless in the SEC. He is now 18 and 40 overall as a head coach. So no matter what anybody thought or said, you give this guy the number seven hire, it's a disaster, man. It's an absolute unmitigated disaster to Arkansas. Sam Pittman's kind of picked up the pieces here a little bit and restored some, some honor to that Arkansas program. Uh, they're not a contender quite yet, but they're certainly a much better team than they were under Chad Morris. Arkansas, in many respects, is a laughingstock. All right, the next guy on the list, and this is a guy that I was really excited about when he was at the University of Houston, is number eight, Kevin Sumlin. I really liked him at Houston. 35-17, and 17, and his final year there, he goes 12-1, and one, and they finish in the top 15 in the coaches' poll, number 14. He gets a job at A&M, and Sumlin was kind of billed as a Texas forever guy. So when he got that A&M job, it's like, hey, this is a good fit. This is a guy that's recruited exceptionally well in the Houston metro area, knows the state of Texas well. 
He had some pretty good years there, but not great. And it's like when you look at what Jimbo's doing now, basically you've traded someone for Jimbo and gotten the same results at a much higher price tag. Someone's first year at College Station, they go 11-2, and two, then it's 9-4, and 8-5, and 8-5, 8-5, 7-5, and, and, and then he's gone. That was in 17. He's immediately hired by Arizona, and now he's, you know, he works three years in that deal and gets fired too, 5-7, and 4-8, and eight, then 0-5. Oh you know, out there. it's crazy, you know, when they make the change there. And so, someone no longer a college football coach, uh, now in the USFL, and then goes 3-7 and seven this year for the USFL. And so, you begin to kind of look at this and you wonder, you know, was it fool's gold at Houston or was it a matter of the Peter principle where somebody rises to their own level of incompetence? Yeah, I think Texas A&M wanted more than what they were getting from someone, but they're getting the same results from Jimbo Fisher. Maybe that's one of the reasons they've gotten so uh, fired up by the NIL. Number nine on the list, a guy that was also a candidate for the Mississippi State job, some thought we should hire him, uh, is Jeremy Pruitt, former Alabama defensive coordinator Jeremy Pruitt. Goes to Tennessee, thought it was a bad fit. This is a guy, too, that I've been told was extremely unprepared in interviews. And he probably doesn't get the job at Tennessee if Phil Fulmer's not the AD. Phil Fulmer obsessed with Alabama. 18, they go 5-7. and seven. They have a good year in 19, go 8-5. and five and uh, win the Gator Bowl, and then three and seven the next year. Next thing you know, there's NCAA scandal that involves Tennessee staffers. That has been relatively a quiet undertaking. You know, they're in no hurry to tell their story, right? And so they just kind of let things go. And so Tennessee is going to see sanctions. They're probably going to be pretty severe. But it's not been something that's dominated the media. Tennessee's done a good job kind of keeping this thing quiet. And nobody's really scared of the NCAA right now. But I still think Tennessee, because of the fact there were coaches involved in these allegations, it's going to be very significant. But uh, Jeremy Pruitt now, uh, rather interesting. Rather interesting. Now a, a defensive analyst for the New York Giants. But uh, I suspect that his head coaching days are, are likely over. Probably, I, I would suspect we'll probably get a show cause when it's all said and done. Or at least uh, tag with the the dreaded lack of coaching responsibility, sanction or whatever. All right, number 10 on the list was Steve Campbell, our buddy Steve Campbell, who was at Mississippi Gulf Coast for many years and went to uh, South, went to Central Arkansas, had a good run there, and then was at South Alabama. And now he is out of a job too. An interesting hire just because, you know, Steve was a, a great coach. You think, okay, we finally get a chance to see him, you know, at the D1 level. And I, I, there were times that I thought Steve could possibly be a Power 5 head coach, but it just hasn't worked out for them. Probably the biggest win they had – was the big win over Southern Miss that ultimately led to Jay Hobson being fired at, uh, at Southern Miss. So Steve Campbell, the number 10 coach, also out of a job. Number 11 on the list, in many respects, probably prob- if we re-ranked it today, he's probably number one. It's Billy Napier. Billy Napier was hired away from Arizona State to be the head coach at UL Lafayette. They did a great job there. Now he's parlayed that into the Florida job. Pretty impressive run there. You know, of course, he was linked to the Mississippi State job. His candidacy for our job was greatly exaggerated, greatly. There were some people that really wanted him to get the job. I was one of them, too, because I felt like with his style of offense, we could recruit to that easily within our natural footprint. It was very reminiscent of the Dan Mullen spread him out, run the power game. And so I thought maybe it'd be a seamless transition transition when you look personnel-wise. Uh, but Napier, of course, wasn't a candidate for our job when Joe got the job. 
You know, Napier was kind of down the list. He hadn't really proven himself yet as a head coach. But now he's the, the head coach of Florida. And so we'll see how things go. And, again, I think Florida will be improved this year. All right, Sonny Dykes, the number 12 coach on the list. You know, Sonny's a guy that gets hired at SMU. He's still there, and he's actually done pretty well. So I would say Sonny's probably – no, he's not the left to go to TCU. Uh, if you look back in hindsight, maybe he's in the top five if you re-rank this list. So 30 and 18 at SMU. But in 19, they can win 10 games. They go 10 and 3, then 7 and 3, 8 and 4, and then he gets a TCU job. And I think Sonny will do well there. I know your former athletic director, Scott Strickland, was kind of uh, enamored with Sonny Dykes. There was a lot of discussion that if we, Dan Mullen had left when Scott Strickland was here, Sonny Dykes would have, would have been the guy we approached. All right, number 13, and a guy that was clearly undervalued on this list, is Mario Cristobal. Goes to Oregon, puts together a couple good years. Uh, 9-4 and four in 18, 12-2 and in 19, 4-3 and in 2020, and then 10-3 there in 2021. And now he's the head coach at the University of Miami replacing uh, Manny Diaz. But uh, pretty good stretch there. You know, and back-to-back Pac-12 titles, right? Or maybe two out of three. Yeah, but I mean, this, is a, this is a guy that, that has done it at the Power 5 level and uh, had an interesting stretch at Florida International before that, and then he took a job there at, uh, at Alabama. But I, I thought when, when FIU moved away from Mario, I said, like, who do you guys think you are? I mean, he goes 7-6, and 8-5, and five, then he has a bad year at 3-9, and nine, and uh, they fire him. And now he's proven to make those guys look pretty silly. But, again, pretty good run there at Oregon uh, for Cristobal. And, again, now he's a coach at Miami. So it's not like some of the other guys on this where his career is waning. All right, number 14, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. He was the previous offensive coordinator with Mike Leach there at Washington State. Uh, Interesting, to say the least. (laughs) He's he's still the head coach at Oregon State. Which maybe says something about their expectations, right? Maybe that does. Jonathan's uh, been there for four years. Two and ten, five and seven, two and five, seven and six. They finally get to a bowl game last year. So maybe trending more in the right direction. But 16 and 28 through four years, you got to feel like he's got to win this year or they're probably going to make a change. That would make perfect sense to me. But Jonathan Smith, again, kind of one of the Mike Leach uh, guys as well. Excuse me, that's not right. He was Washington offensive coordinator. Excuse me. Excuse me. With Chris Peterson. My mistake. Don't stop listening. All right, number 15 guy on the list is uh, your buddy Matt Luke, who is now out of coaching. And uh, I understand it's his choice. Obviously, wins a natty with Georgian and says, you know what, I want to be around for my kids. And uh, he was paid a fortune to leave Ole Miss around $11 million. So he doesn't have to work. You know, he doesn't have to. He can, he can be the dad. And good for him. Didn't do an awful lot. You know, never had a winning season at Ole Miss. Uh, recruiting was beginning to pick up. And a lot of the players that, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin has had some success with in recent years are guys that Matt Luke and his staff recruited. And so, but again, out of coaching, worked out really good for him. Get the interim job at his alma mater, you coach for a few years and get a huge payday. And then now you don't have to work. Number 16 on the list, Josh Heupel from UCF. Of course, he succeeded Scott Frost and people wondered, well, yeah, I mean, but he's playing with Scott Frost players. Well, Scott Frost has proven to be a disaster at Nebraska. Then Heupel does a good job at UCF and gets a job at Tennessee. And you know they had to probably give him some guarantees and assurances because of the sanctions that they're facing. But Heupel's done pretty good. I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, I think Tennessee last year was one of the surprise teams in the league. 
offensively, they were much, much better. That's kind of Heupel's, uh, you know, bread and butter, right, his offensive play. And there were a lot of people that were kind of, kind of pan the higher. I thought it was rather interesting. Tennessee has got to get back to being a national recruiter, and that may be difficult to do, you know, with the sanctions that they're facing. But Josh Heupel, good hire at UCF, good hire at Tennessee. And, again, a lot of people didn't – maybe didn't uh, express a lot of appreciation for that guy. But he's doing a pretty good job under some difficult circumstances. All right, number 17 on our list is Mike Bloomgren from Rice. This is a guy, too, that uh, just had worked out. You know, still the head coach at Rice University. Four years, 11 and 31 over those four years. Two and 11, three and nine, two and three and four and eight. So I guess they can say, well, you know, we had our best year last year. If they don't win this year, this guy's gone. And, and he's got a great pedigree, too. He was a GA at Alabama, even spent some time at Delta State. How about that? Then he was QC with the Jets, eventually became an assistant coach, went to Stanford, coached the offensive line, became offensive coordinator, associate head coach, and a good program. And now he's at Rice and just hadn't worked out. So that's another guy, again, you know, he makes the list. The guy's on a hot seat this year. All right, the number 18 guy on the list is Sean Lewis at Kent State. He had previously been the co-offensive coordinator at Syracuse. It hadn't gone exceptionally well for him, but probably not as bad as some others. Two and ten the first year, seven and six, then three and one, of course, because you know the Mac didn't play a full schedule. And in seven and seven last year, they go seven and six in a regular season and then lose the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. So they're maybe trending in the right direction. They can't afford to take a step back this year. If they do, you're probably going to see a coaching change there. I don't know how Kent State, how committed they are, even though you know, Nick Saban's an alum there. But, um, you know, the, the Golden Flash is not exactly a big power, even in the MAG. Number 19, Chad Lunsford was hired at Georgia Southern. He was recently replaced by, of course, uh, Todd Helton. But a guy that just didn't get it done. You know, he gets, he's now the tight ends coach at Florida Atlantic, working with Willie Taggart. A guy that uh, has made a lot of money and coached a lot of bad football. But, uh, you know, five seasons there, he was, I guess, the interim coach. They they elevated him in 17. They coached him to a 2-4 and four record. They elected to stay in-house. He responds in 18 with a 10-3 and three record. And then they win the Camellia Bowl. And then it's 7-6, and 8-5, and, and then 1-3. And, and then they make a change last year. Of course, uh, you know, Jared Banco and those guys are running the show down there now. But um, – you know, he – I don't know all the details behind this, but, uh, again, he's a winning coach. And maybe I misspoke a little bit earlier, but uh, 28 and 21. And, um, you yeah, know, he's done. They fired him after four games last year. And it seems like I remember there was some, there was some type of, of scandal. It was something that went along with that. I, I'm not going to go ahead and, uh, and dig through all that because, you know, we're not that – you know, we're not that interested, shall we say. We're wishing the best for Banco and those guys. But uh, they made a change last year. And it seems like there was some off-the-field issues. Uh, number 20, Dana Dimel at UTEP, former Kansas State offensive coordinator. And this is a guy that's had some head coaching experience, too. Former head coach at Wisconsin, had three winning seasons there, and then took the job at Houston. And it was an absolute disaster there. 3-8, and 0-11, 5-7. Goes 8-26 and 26 in Houston. Spend some time kind of working his way back up the ranks, you know, was a GA at Kansas, even though he'd had all these other issues. <laughs> and then became a tight ends coach at Arizona, kind of reunited with Kevin Sumlin there. And then uh, goes to Kansas State and then gets a job at UTEP. And uh, it's been interesting. 
111, 111, 3 and 5. Last year they're 7 and 6. They go 7 and 5 in a regular season and lose the New Mexico Bowl. But again, kind of an upward trajectory. It's taken some time. They bottomed out. And we'll kind of see how things progress there. But again, that's another guy, too, arguably on the hot seat this year. The final guy on the list is Herm Edwards. Now, Herm has not had maybe the losses some other teams have, but they're about to get hit with NCAA sanctions. And again, staffers involved in all this. Herm got the job. People kind of pan the hire. They're like, this doesn't make any sense. He goes seven and six. They lose the bowl game. They go eight and five the next year, win the Sun Bowl, two and two in 2020. And in 2021, they go eight and five and they lose the Las Vegas Bowl. So, an eight and four regular season. So, you feel like, hey, the Sun Devils are actually playing pretty well. But what's going to happen with all these sanctions? And, um, you know, Herm doesn't need the money. But again, he's the bottom guy on the list. And if you were able to remove, kind of get around that scandal, I think you look at all this. And what's interesting, Athlon rated it as a D minus higher. It goes to show you, you just never know. And so you go back and look at this, man, a lot of these guys that were hired just four years ago are no longer at their current positions. Many of them fired. A couple of them have just taken other jobs, like, you know, Billy Napier. Uh, but it's interesting to look back in hindsight at this, quote, great coaching class and to see how they've done just four years in. And most of them, most of them fired. Pretty crazy. So I say all that to say this, hiring a head football coach is very difficult. There is no question about it. It is very, very difficult. And there were a lot of people that were like, hey, you know, Steve, we should have done this, should have done that. You know, we hired Joe, and on paper it seemed like a great hire. Some people had called him the number one assistant coach in the country. And uh, it didn't work out for us. You know, you, you never know what you don't know until you realize, I wish I had known that. But I would venture to say we would probably have – if we had hired some of these other guys, we probably would be in the same position. I think in hindsight, you look back and say, you know what, this really was a terrible coaching hire class. And a lot of these guys were over overhyped. A lot of that comes from agents. You know, Chad Morris is a guy that had, had struggle winning anywhere. And then all of a sudden, he got a power five job in the SEC. It takes two years to figure it out. But uh, again, you look at this in hindsight with the gift of hindsight, and all of a sudden, you realize it, this is a very difficult thing to do. Sometimes there are easy decisions to make. But when you're out there trying to replace a guy like Dan Mullen, it's like, you know, let's go get an up-and-comer. Let's go get the next Dan Mullen. Didn't work out for us. But, again, at the end of the day, we got two Egg Bowl wins and two bowl appearances. And, I, you know, I like to win those games, too. I don't want to just take the trip. If we're going to pack the car and put miles on our vehicles, let's go out there and come home with something. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friend Portico. Brooks Bryan is my friend. And I'm proud to call him a friend. Brooks played uh, really hard for us at Mississippi State. Played on a pair of Omaha teams. Got to know what it takes to win. Understands the grind of the SEC schedule. Brooks now trying to make Starkville and uh, Mississippi State a better place to live in and around. Part of a great group bringing this wonderful residential development to Portico. Now, your new neighbors are already there. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two under construction now. Got a couple of those houses sold. There are some houses being constructed that are available for purchase now. And maybe you can go ahead and reach a deal. Or you're thinking, you know what, Steve, we've got some unique needs. I've got to have a home office. I've got to have this, got to have that. They can do a custom build for you. You can go a two-bedroom, two-bath home all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. You'd be glad you did. Many of you have dreamed of having a place in Stargill, even if it's your, not your primary residence. Maybe it's your ballgame weekend retreat. 
perhaps it's your future retirement home. You're thinking, you know what, hey, it's not going to be too much longer, and I want to retire to Starville because I want to go to all the games. And we want you to be here. I don't want to have to wait for a table at Bulldog Burger when you come, but, uh, but the reality of it is, is Starville is a growing area. There's no better place to live than Portico. Give Brooks a call today at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. He'll answer all your questions. Easy access to 82, 12, and 25. You're on, you're on the quiet side of campus. You're 1.1 miles away from the Bulldog campus. I mean, you're within shouting distance of Duty Noble Field. How cool would that be, right? Make your dream a reality. Make Portico your next move. All right, in the last few minutes we have together, I want to talk about kind of the linchpin in this whole conference realignment thing. And, and there are still a lot of discussions being had. You know, like right now, some people have put out, we're just kind of going to stand pat what we got. I think a part of that, too, is because the season is now approaching. You know, we're, getting, we're in media days now. We're getting ready to start fall camp. And so now it's probably not the time to talk about any future moves. Now, that's not to say that something couldn't happen. But I think by and large, everybody's like, let's just kind of hold pat what we have and then we'll get through the season. And so I think probably early next year, you'll start hearing this stuff chirp up again. Now, the, the linchpin in the whole thing is Notre Dame. There's no question about it. And so they're the coveted free agent. Independent. They probably need some conference affiliation kind of help themselves rather than be the outlier out there trying to get into the playoff discussion. There's nobody out there really pushing for them. But let's be honest with ourselves. There is not a more significant national brand in college football than Notre Dame. You all watch Rudy. You know about Touchdown Jesus. We've all dreamed of doing a home-and-home with them. We'd love to see the Golden Helmets in Davis Wade Stadium. We'd love to go up there and play. We'd love to. And everybody would. It's difficult to get those games. Mike Nemeth has told me, hey, we inquired. It's tough. Couldn't get it done. Notre Dame is kind of their own thing. And so what value do they bring to a TV deal? The Big Ten deal, people talk about how big the SEC deal is. The Big Ten makes a ton of money too. And so I think right now you look at it, Notre Dame, it makes sense for them to join the Big Ten geographically. It makes sense for them financially. You know, they're not going to go join the, the Pac-12. You know, the ACC would love to have them. Of course, they have them on, on uh, the non-football side of things. They'd love to have them because I think the ACC is about to get gutted too, and I think Notre Dame sees that. I think Notre Dame thinks, okay, well, what if we go to the ACC and then Florida State and Clemson bowl for the SEC? Well, yes, our path to the playoff is probably somewhat easier, but at the end of the day, what about the prestige of the conference? Is that the right move for us? And then all of a sudden, rather than playing Michigan and Stanford and Ohio State, we're, we're playing Virginia Tech, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And so what if the SEC made a move? What if the SEC said, hey, let's go get Notre Dame? And I know ge- geographically that's removed. You know, look at what, you know, it's happening with the Big Ten where they're going to get in the L.A. market with SC and UCLA. Now, Notre Dame may not want any part of an SEC football schedule. You may say, you know what? It's just too difficult. I'd rather go up here and be able to play Michigan and Ohio State, and then also, too, I get the, the chance to play you know, Northwestern. You know, Notre Dame may look at the Big Ten as the, the easier, softer way. But I think when you look at it financially, 
you know, what if the SEC could say, hey, listen, if we add Notre Dame to our TV package, you know, we could probably renegotiate this and kind of narrow the gap in many respects between us and the Big Ten on this, on this TV package deal. It's crazy to think about that. I mean, Notre Dame has a national following, an absolute national following. And not to mention, instead of us having to go out and schedule a non-conference game with Notre Dame, then all of a sudden maybe every few years we'd get a chance to go to South Bend. You'd be willing to make that trip, wouldn't you? I would. I mean, if you're a fan of college football, haven't you always thought, man, how cool would it be to be able to go watch my team play Notre Dame? I mean, it'd be fun to go to Notre Dame to watch them play anybody. But they didn't go watch the Bulldogs show up there and play. We've never played them. It'd be a unique once-in-a-lifetime type experience for, for many people. But all of a sudden, if they joined our conference, you know, we're going up there. And then I, I think about them on the baseball side. And I do think they'll take a step back with Link Jarrett moving on. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that, you know, they need some strength in other sports too. And I think that's where the SEC might make some sense. Now, does that mean that State can get them? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the SEC can go out there and make this deal happen. I think you got to try, though. I think because if you allow Notre Dame to go to the Big Ten, all of a sudden their TV package increases too. But if we can go get them, our TV package increases. And you can say, yeah, Steve, but there's this and there's that. Listen, yeah, Clemson can bring some eyeballs. But listen, people, are already, people in South Carolina are already watching these games. You can say, well, Florida State, yeah, but you know, people in Florida are already watching this. I mean, how many people in Indiana – are watching our games and how many people nationally i mean you, you ride all over the country you see people with notre dame license plates or you know bumper stickers and things like that they're a national brand there'll be the novelty of the whole thing too oh notre dame's gonna play alabama every three years notre dame is gonna play georgia you don't think there'll be national intrigue in those games and so i think you know we always talk about you got to find a way to improve your standing you can't just be happy with the status quo i think greg sankey should go pursue notre dame Again, I don't know that we can get them. But I think we can put a package together to maybe make this thing lucrative for them and lucrative for ourselves. Because you know the value of that TV package is going to be tremendously higher than what it is right now. As great as it is, think about if you added Notre Dame and all those tens of millions of TV sets right now that you're not tapping into. ESPN... To me, I think ESPN probably benefits from this as much as anybody. I think if you're Greg Sankey, you absolutely have to make that deal. You have to make it. They're, gonna, they're, they're the team, right? That's who everybody wants. And there's all this discussion that Notre Dame may go to the Big Ten and bring Stanford with them. And that would be, be huge for the Big Ten. Huge. And I think in many respects for years, we kind of looked at the ACC as our rival in some ways, the Big 12 a little bit. Big 12 was kind of fallen off in recent years, even though we do appreciate their contributions in 2020 to keep the game alive. But when you begin to look at, like, TV revenue, the Big Ten, that's who we're competing against. And so if we can find a way to maybe narrow the gap and then diminish their TV package, we got to do that. Even if we got to make a deal that maybe isn't traditionally what you would do. You know, I think maybe it's a tough sell in the league, but I think when you begin to think about the economics, uh, economics of it all, and we all know this. I mean, your money moves everything around me, right? Wu-Tang forever. Um, that's the best business decision. It's just a matter of can you get it done. 
And again, I don't think anything happens. And now I may turn the show off and, and get on Twitter, and all of a sudden there's movement. But I don't. I think now that we're settling into media days, I think everybody's like, you know what? Let's let's focus on what's in front of us, and then we can revisit this issue, you know, after the turn of the year. But we're not done. We're not done expanding. And a lot of people have said, but Steve, you know, I'm, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I just listen, guys. I'm not worried about Mississippi State getting left out of anything. You know, it, it would, I think it takes what a 75% vote to vote us out, and that would require some other people like Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. And like, and Ole Miss is linked to us. If they'll vote us out, they'll vote you out too. Uh, you know, Kentucky gets to hang around for basketball, but uh, when you start kind of looking at this thing, you know, if you want these super football conferences, you know, everybody can't go 10 and 0. And that's the thing that I think people understand, too. It's like, you know what, hey, so we're going to do a super conference, and it's going to be, okay, it's going to be Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, LSU. All right, well, then you're going to play each other head-to-head all the time. Somebody's going four and eight. So how is that a good deal for them? you got to think, okay, well, we probably need Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss in this thing, too. You know, because at the end of the day, you're going to have some you know, prestigious programs. They're going to be six and six, seven and five. Would their fans be happy being part of a super conference then? When you're not winning, and all of a sudden you take a traditional powerhouse, a blue blood, and all of a sudden they're a mediocre team. So, you know, it makes sense. I'm not worried about it. You know, of course, if, um, you know, if we change leadership in the SEC, which, you know, thankfully Greg Sankey is healthy and doing a good job. You know, we might have to reconsider some things then. I think as long as Greg Sankey is there, I think what Mississippi State's – what we need to happen is Greg Sankey uh, to remain the commissioner through this game of musical chairs. We need to make sure that he's around you know, for a decade or so. And so uh, – and, again, I, I just don't ex- – I don't, I don't have those same feelings of panic that some of you do. And I know that there are some people in the national media that love to fan that stuff. There's no point in paying attention to that. All right, listen, if you had not done so, go to dogpiledbook.com. The second printing now available – First printing totally sold out. And uh, I know that baseball maybe was a little bit disappointing this year. So maybe, you know, go back and revisit our NAFL championship season. And it'll stir up these feelings of emotion, get you really excited about the, the future of Mississippi State baseball. And many of you are like, oh, well, Ole Miss won. It kind of diminishes. It doesn't diminish anything. We have our championship. They have their ch- our championship. They earned it. We earned ours. But maybe reading that book will help you kind of deal with some of that. I had someone message me yesterday. I said, Steve, I just finished up Dogpile. And I uh, love how you – focused on every player and not just the stars. And I did because they all contributed. And uh, I loved writing that book. If you haven't got a copy, you should. And, again, Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs, uh, quantities very, very, very low. Very low. Had somebody hit me up over the weekend said, Steve, I need to get my dad a copy of Stark Villains. Is it too late? There might be a dozen or so, and I'm, that's not hyperbole. Maybe, maybe 20 or so. You know, and what happens is, you know, we'll sell four or five of those a week. And, you know, of course, that book is what, you know, three, four years old now. But um, if you're wanting to get it and have it, you probably need to make a move now. And that's Alpha Dogs and Stark Villains. We still have plenty of – we've probably got, you know, a few hundred Flim Flam. And, of course, we got, you know, a lot of available stock of dog pile. That, that second printing now in. So be sure and order that. you got friends that have interest in Mississippi State. Maybe you wanted to buy them a housewarming gift. Get them a coffee table book. Uh, get them some of my books. I think it'd be great. I think every home, every Mississippi State home should have those. You should read them, but even if you don't read, you're not going to have a better decoration than that, right? If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find it. 
Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMillion.com, or through your local bookstore. Stark Villains gear. we got some cool stuff coming up with that, too. Uh, StarkVillains.com. You can get yourself Stark Villains gear shipped directly to your home. All right, that's it for today. Happy to get a show up for you guys before the day got too deep. We had to get it done before the draft. And so we're back on Wednesday to recap the draft, recap what we learned at SEC Media Days, and then Friday we're going to begin our SEC football previews for the year. Excited about that. Excited to kind of look and see what everybody has. And uh, eager to get into fo- football camp too. We'll have uh, top dog camp coming up in 11 days. So Paul Jones and I, Robbie Falk, will uh, we'll be out there kind of working through that and uh, looking forward to being back out there to final summer camp of this recruiting cycle. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.